this may be the dumbest sermon I ever preached today. Uh, I've been thinking about this, and as I was studying, the, the word stupid and dumb came up over and over again. And I, forgive me if I say that. I am not um, in any way um, uh, being uh, dishonoring to God's word. I hope I'm not. But um, as I look at this, uh, I feel like it's the dumbest sermon ever. Um, moms say dumb things to their kids from time to time. Some of you have uh, chronicled this, and you have your own. But I, I tried to. I, I looked some things up, and I, I found some. But none of these. I tried to make it uh, church appropriate. Church appropriate. Um, moms say things like this: "Please don't lick the bottom of your shoes." Why is your toothbrush in the toilet again? Stop putting your feet in your brother's mouth. Why is there bread in the dryer? We don't hammer people. Stop licking the dog. These things seem quite obvious. And so to say them, it sounds like you're being dumb or like unintelligent saying them. But uh, for those of you who are moms, parents, uh, you know that from time to time, these things need to be said at your home. Uh, in 1973, the Roe versus Wade uh, Supreme Court decision in the 49th year uh, of that, and hopefully by God's grace and His working in our country, that will be uh, reversed soon. I don't know that that's true. I hope that that's true. I pray that that's true. Uh, we remain a country that um, has one of the biggest organizations of Planned Parenthood, and uh, they are riddled throughout our, our country. And uh, they see life differently than the Bible does. I say it that way because it's true. You know, if you go to their website, I'd encourage you to go to their website and see what they say and how they look at life and especially the unborn. I hope that you saw this morning all our little ones up here. I hope you saw that. I hope you saw the um, mass exodus of our youth that we're heading over there. I hope you saw that. I hope you dwell on it. Um, because that's what we're talking about this morning. Um, and some of you can even remember when you were that young. Some of you can't, but um, uh, we remember when we were young and we live in this country. In our country, and I won't say in our country, in our state, um, I think I believe it was December of last year, Governor Newsom uh, had decided in regards to the Supreme Court cases even right now, he decided um, he had a group of people that met, and he, he decided out of that committee that uh, if abortion was overturned, that California would become a sanctuary state for abortions. And th- these are some of the recommendations that Governor Newsom came out of that, that, that panel. The first one was eliminate cost sharing for abortion and abortion-related services for all insurance plans and improve Reimbursement rates for Medi-Cal, the state's health care program for the poor. Second one was uh, create a California Reproductive Scholarship Corps to strengthen abortion access in underserved areas, including regions primarily served by health systems with religious affiliation. Also, he said this, uh, explore ways to offer uh, medication abortion services to out-of-state patients via telehealth. 
goes on to say this, remove existing barriers to abortions later in pregnancy. Uh, He goes on, enact legal protections for abortion patients and providers, including those who are served out-of-state patients. And then uh, last couple ones say this, uh, combat abortion, abortion misinformation and disinformation while ensuring schools and community-based organizations offer medically accurate, culturally relevant, and inclusive abortion education. And lastly, collect data, including on the effectiveness of public schools' sexual health programs and the COVID-19 pandemic's impact on abortion services. This is the world we live in. This is the world we live in. This is the state we live in. This is where we live. This is the people that we meet when we're walking down the street. This is the place where we live. And this is what's going on. Let's pray. God, um, we ask your blessing on our time. May we hear clearly from your word. May you replace our thoughts, man's thoughts, the enemy's thoughts with your thoughts. Help us to see the world through your eyes. And may we want it. May we want it. May we desire uh, nothing more than you, even as we have sung. God, thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, There's forgiveness in Jesus, uh, and only in him, I'd say it that way. There's forgiveness for anything you've done, any, uh, we like to say, mistakes we've made, sins we've committed. There's forgiveness for everything. And so I want to encourage you, do not, do not, do not look at God's word and say, it's too hard for me. It's too gracious for you. He's too compassionate towards us. And so no matter what sins we've committed, things we've done, horrific, horrific things that we've done, there's forgiveness because of Jesus for every one of them. So today as we approach this subject, I want to encourage you as God's people this is the world we live in, but this is also sometimes the people that we are, a heart. I remember, uh, I may have shared this story. I know I shared this story with you before. I just don't know if you were here that Sunday. But um, I was a youth pastor here uh, many years ago, and I, I was sitting in the office, probably sleeping. And uh, the phone rang, and I realized that it, well, it woke me up and, you know, and it startled me. And I, I realized that no one was going to get it. And I don't know why I picked it up, because I usually don't do that. But I picked it up, and uh, I said, hey, hello, Bear Valley Church. It sounded pretty cool. Um, I was like the receptionist. I could do stuff. And, and I said, hello, Bear Valley Church. This is Kevin. And, and they said, oh, yeah, uh, tell me about your church. And I said, oh, it's a great church. You, know, if you should come. And, and they said, uh, this woman on the other end, she said, I don't know if I should. I thought it was pretty weird that she was calling the church to ask about coming, but she didn't, wasn't sure she should come. And she said, she said this. She says, I don't know if you have people like me there. And I said, what do you like? I don't know. I'm a youth pastor. Ask them questions. And she says, oh, I, I'm, a, I'm an awful sinner. And she says, I've done some things. And, I, you know, I don't know if you have people like me. And I started laughing at her. And she said, why are you laughing? And I said, because we have people just like you here at Fair Valley Church. 
And she says, oh, they're, you know, they're wealthy and this and that. And I said, no, they're not. They're hurting broken sinners. I said, I don't know if you want to share this with me, but if you do, I'll find someone in our church that's done something like that. I don't know if she ever came. Probably she didn't because I laughed. But I, I, I want you to know that the sins of man and the sins of women are common. Common. The heart is the same. The heart is the same. And so as you think of your life, uh, if you've committed grand sins in your mind, I just want to tell you, your sins, and my sins too, have left us dead spiritually. Dead. Without hope. Without hope. But it also says in the Bible, Ephesians, Colossians as well, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were dead. No hope. And because of Jesus, because of Jesus, he gave us life after death. Life after death. I'm not talking about in heaven. That's true too. But life down here, after we had been dead spiritually, he gave us life. He gave us life. And so uh, I want to encourage you, uh, do not think of yourself as out of the reach of God's grace. That, that is a, a, an enemy plot in your life. If you think that you can't be saved, if you think you've done something so bad, you have looked on the cross of Jesus and you said, oh, it wasn't enough. And it was. It was. And so um, keep that in mind as we go through this this morning. We need to look to God's word um, and put it in place for us that we can clearly see uh, how we should think uh, in the issues when it comes to the issues of life and death, the sanctity of life. So let's start in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. I don't think I've prayed, but I will anyways. Again. God, as we go to your word, I ask that you would help us. It's your word, and we need your word instead of our word. Popular culture, we don't want either. God, thank you for your word speaking to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All people are created by God. All people. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I'm putting some of these things in place. We've talked about these before. But as we look at the sanctity of life today, I want to encourage you to think God's thoughts after him. And to cherish them and to love them and to cling to them. And, and, and not bow to the pressure around you. Not bow to your own ideas or the ideas of smart people or celebrities or politicians or anything else that you might know, that you might know what God has said in his word, what is true. All people are created by God. In the beginning, Genesis, the book, the book of Genesis, the beginnings, he starts off giving us this elementary and important piece that we are created by God. We didn't happen to evolve. In fact, I would challenge you if you believe in evolution and you say, well, I believe God used evolution or you just believe in evolution. You don't believe, you know, you 
I don't know what, yeah, whatever. However you work that out in your mind, I want to encourage you to say this. If you think created in this passage means evolved, why? Where would you get that? In the English, as you look at this, where would you get evolved? You wouldn't. And so uh, why God has inspired Moses and how did this get in here to say created? And you say, well, that's just one of those faith issues. The science says, and I want to say, who created the science? Who made things work out so that we could uh, observe them and study them and that things would work? (laughs) Things would work. And you say, well, you know, scientists are, you know, they progress past the Bible. Why do you say that? Why? Well, everyone believes that. Oh, popular opinion. More votes. I want to tell you, um, God holds at least 51% of the vote all the time on every issue. And so if everyone is voting against God and he's got another idea, Everyone's wrong. It says created. We didn't happen to evolve. It, it, to go on, too, I want to say this. that we just, It wasn't just evolution. We're not self-made. We're not self-made. It's very important for you to hear that. I, I realize that very few of you probably sit here today and go, I think I made myself. You didn't make yourself. Hate to be the first one to point it out to you. You did not make yourself. And if you did not make yourself, there's not this self the idea of self-sufficiency is ridiculous. Right? We are not self-made people. We're also not man-made people. We're also not man-made people. Some of you you think through how this works and you know, you, you figured things out. You're a little bit older and you say, came from my mommy and daddy. I understand how this deal works. They made me. I want to tell you, as you look at the scripture, probably in uh, no other uh, way is this true. We're going to get to this in a little bit. There's a special creation that is mankind, that is people. It's special. It's special. And in no other way, it's not a man-made thing that a baby would come out. It's a God-made thing. It's a special creation. We'll get to that. I'm jumping ahead. Sorry. So all people are created by God. Number two, all people are created in His image. Staying on that verse, Genesis 127, it says, So God created mankind in His image own image, in his own image. All people are created in his image. That's a tough one. We won't spend much time on it, but that's very important for us to remember. Some of you have a, at your occupation, you have a different clientele. So you work at the prison or your, your cops or firefighters or school teachers, right? And you wonder sometimes, uh, uh, your clientele, 
what to do with them. And you, 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 you say they're not worth it. Uh, even people uh, speak crudely about them as they're animals or something not worth anything. I want to tell you that's not true. Why? Because in creation, in creation, all were made in his image and likeness. As God created man, he created them in his image. If you look at this, uh, I'm jumping ahead again, but this is different. This is different. And so there's a special connection to the creator that he created his creation like himself. It's important to remember that we are in his image. Thirdly, in the same verse, All people are created as his special creation. Special creation. I already said it, but he said in his own image, we're in the image of God. We're separate from all creation. As you think about, uh, you could look in the book of Genesis, but you could also look outside and say this. There's all, his creation is everywhere. His creation happened on the other days as well. There were things going on that God was saying, I create this, I create this, I create this, I create this. And then what happened? The the crown of his creation, the the finishing touches is what? People. People. We are separate from all other creation. We're separate. In Psalm 139, verse 13, uh, many of you know these well. And these verses, are, are, I hope, are common to you. I hope they're, they're bouncing around in your head as you look at your kids, as you go about your life, as you watch the news, as you look outside, as you go to the doctor, as you do all these things. I hope these verses are bouncing around in your head and directing your thoughts and helping you think. Psalm 139, verse 13 says this, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. That's what's going on inside a pregnant lady, the work of God. That's what's going on. Um, we, we say a lot of uh, intrusive things here at church. You find out a, a lady's pregnant, what do you do? See her at church, what do you say? How are you feeling? What's going on? Some of you are even creepier, like she, she's out like this, and you start putting your hands on it. That's weird. That's weird. Okay? If you wouldn't do it to Pastor Kevin, you shouldn't do it to a young mom, okay? It's not, it's not recess in elementary school, huh? Go grab the ball. Um, uh, What was I talking about? (laughs) Mother's womb. Got it. That's the work of God. It's the work of God. I always think it's funny. We go to the ultrasounds, and they they give you these little pictures, and some of you take them to Walgreens, and you make make a plaque or something out of them, and, 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 you know, you show these pictures, and you say, oh, aren't they cute? Yeah. (laughs) Your baby looks like a goblin. (laughs) Um, what's going on in the womb? The work of God is going on in the womb. It doesn't say he knit anything together 
He didn't knit the plants. He didn't knit the people or the, um, the animals. He didn't knit the, the moon and the stars. It says when it talks about people, there's this going on. Putting together, especially as he wanted in his image. It's not like the plants and the trees. One of our uh, favorite tools at my house we bought years ago when, um, yeah, as we had come back to Tehachapi and you have young boys and you want to encourage them, and we bought a chainsaw. You ever used a chainsaw? Super fun. Watch your toes. Um, yeah, and, and, and a chainsaw, you can cut down things and you can chop it up. You can take a tree down and you can chop it up for firewood and you can burn the firewood. And it's good. It's good. And, you know, some of you are good tree huggers. You know, you grew up in Northern California or Oregon and, and you go, oh, never cut down a tree. Now, I agree with you. You know, don't, don't cut down trees just for fun. But if you need them or if you need them to be gone, cut them down. Why? Because they're just trees. They're just trees. We're not like the plants and the trees. You can chop us, you can chop them down and use them for in the fire. And I'd go on to say, you now I'm getting touchy here. Um, we are unlike dogs, cats, chickens, cows, and pigs. And ants and gophers. Ants and gophers, most of you are with me on that, right? Some of the sweetest ladies at Bear Valley Church, they, you know, they, when it comes to gophers, they're just like, <laughs> you know. Why? Because they're just gophers, right? I'll point some people out if you want me to. I really want to say some names right now, but I'm not going to. Um, we're, we're unlike the dogs and cats the chickens, the pigs, the cows, the ants, the, the gophers, we're unlike them. We're separate from them. And it's not, once again, I, I want to say this. You should not, when it comes to the death of a cat or a dog or a cow or a chicken or, or anything, it's not like you should not care. There is a, uh, th- this idea of animals and how uh, th- this is God's blessing to us. And on this, we're supposed to take care of this. But I, I want to tell you, they are not created in his image. They're not. They're to be enjoyed and used and at times eaten. The, uh, anyways, uh, the chickens, cows, and pigs. Um, but... Um, I want to tell you, I want to make this distinction, an important distinction, that they were not created as his special creation. They were not formed, uh, knitted together in the mother's womb with the care and concern. We don't know that about them, animals, plants, trees, animals. Those we eat, those who die. Like, you think this through. It's important. It's important to get these together. It also says, this is just a commercial for two weeks from now. Uh, Genesis 127 also says, male and female. 
male and female. Uh, first couple of weeks of February, hope it won't go into the third week, but it might. Uh, we're going to be talking about those things from the book of Romans. We're going back there. It's important. It's important to talk about this. This is God's creation. He created people as his special creation. He created them in a certain way, in a different way than all other creation. Look over all creation. You, we know for certain it's obvious that man is the crowning achievement of God. There's nothing else like him. There's nothing else connected to him. The idea of uh, us forgetting that would cause us to make uh, wicked and terrible decisions when it comes to people. We move on. Number four, all people are created with a life plan of number of days by God. Life has days. I shared this with you a couple weeks ago in Psalm 139, verse 16. Um, it, It says this, your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book were written. What, what is it? Every one of them. Every one of what? The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was, not, was none of them. And I know that's a clumsy translation. Um, they're trying to stick to the Hebrew. But a couple of things we get there are there's a number of days, and those days were determined by God prior to your birth. That may be a shocker to you, but that's what God says in his word. Your days are numbered. In Psalm 90, verse 12, it says this, and I'm connecting these. There's, there's maybe four or five other passages that talk about our days, our days being numbered, highlighting that this life has days, days determined by God. It says this in Psalm 90, verse 12. It says, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Um, We number our days because God has numbered our days. Do you understand that? We think about that. We think about that. We should teach our kids to think about that. That uh, we don't know how much, you you don't want to raise them to freak out about every day, but to think about this day. What should we do with this day? If we have a, a, a determined number, we don't know what the number is, right? But if we know it's determined, then we should number them. We should cherish them. And the uh, book of Ephesians says that, uh, that our days are ev- the days are evil. Days are evil. You think about this and you go, you know, what about the days? What am I doing with the days? And it's not this idea that, that um, we can change the course of history, but the idea of that days are given by God. If they're given by God, we should number them and, and cherish them and see, see they're valuable. By the way, um, do you guys know about scarcity? Supply and demand? The older you are, the more valuable your days are, right? Why? Because there's less of them, potentially, right? Like, you don't know the number, but like that idea that you should, the older you get, the the greater you should understand this. 
Psalm 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days. Because God has numbered our days, we should number our days. Okay. Now here we're going, getting into it. This is, we're getting into, I, I wanted to say this. I don't think this is appropriate to say, but um, these are, um, I want us to use the word dumb, but these are scriptures, I'll just say obvious scriptures, but they're kind of like that mom. Remember the mom that says, you know, don't lick the dog? This scripture is kind of like don't lick the dog. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. God's word says this. And this is in the Ten Commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not murder. To which you should say afterwards, duh. Right? That's obvious. Right? Isn't... Killing people kind of obvious that you shouldn't do? Isn't it? And you say, well, you're afraid to answer because it's one of the Ten Commandments. But I'm telling you, it should be obvious to us that we don't kill one another. It should be obvious. What is murder? It's taking one another's life. And, and murder, if you follow the thought of murder, and I, I say the thought of murder because I don't think it's like all that thought out. But the person who kills another, what are they doing? They're saying, I don't want you to live. I've decided that you're not going to live. And now I've killed you and you're dead. You think about that and you go, yeah, of course, I, I, you know, I've. I've had cable growing up. I know about this stuff, right? But, but think about what it is. You shall not murder. Murder is the desire to supplant the place of our creator sustainer. What did we just talk about? Number of the days. And, and, and who controls that? Who's decided that? And, and the one who murders is saying, I will decide the number. For you. It should be obvious that we shouldn't do this. But in our wicked world, sinful man needs to be told by God, you are not to seek to determine another's days. I will determine the days. So murder is sin. Okay? And if that wasn't ridiculous to say, if that wasn't ridiculous to say, number five there, Exodus 20, you shall not murder. What about this? Leviticus 18, 21. Leviticus 18, verse 21 says this, you you shall not give any of your children to offer them to Molech And so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. So if you go back into the Old Testament and you figure out who Moloch was, and there was, they sacrificed babies to Moloch. And so as part of the law written, book of Leviticus, it was saying, just to be clear, don't murder your babies. 
Should that be, that should probably be obvious, right? If we shouldn't kill each other, right? What should we do with babies? What should we do with babies? Don't murder your babies. That's the dumbest thing ever. But it needs to be said in our dark world. In our dark world. You know, we live in California. We're going to be a sanctuary state for abortions. Want to be kind of the capital, like the Mecca. Like you can travel, you can take a pilgrimage to have an abortion to California. Um, we live in a dark world. And so I just say, guard your heart. I'm, I'm going to start wrapping up here and bring some ideas, thoughts to this. But li- listen to this. this is, so this is where we are. God created us. God created us in his image. God created us special, special, uh, special creation, right? And the murder sin, right? And the killing babies, you shouldn't kill your babies, okay? These are the things, the thoughts that are filled with scripture. God has spoken to his people who will hear. So guard your heart. Um, I'd say this, that the implications of the sanctity of life, whether it be abortion, whether it be uh, suicide, whether it be uh, the taking of your life and what they would term euthanasia in some many other areas, I I just want to tell you that the enemy just needs a weak moment on your part. He just needs a weak moment. He doesn't need like you to think it through. He needs you to have a weak moment, a faithless moment. And I just want to tell you, guard your hearts. <laughs> There's incredibly deceptive language that we use. That we use. I'm not talking about them use. We use. Brandon and I both used the word uh, this morning. I've used it in my preaching. It's abortion. It's abortion. That's a nice way of saying killing babies. It's a nice way of saying it. it you know... Uh, I remember um, when Rebecca was, uh, I believe it was, um, pregnant with our son Caleb, who's now the youth director. Um, Her first son died, and uh, once you have a a difficult thing happen in your family, you get put at risk, you know. And they um, they did the ultrasound, and then they say, "Oh, we want you to go sit with this specialist or whatever." Okay. Okay, we'll go sit with people and at Kaiser. Just wanted to give them a shout out. Um, and so we go sit in a room, and this lady pulls out some charts and you know percentages and stuff like that. And she starts talking. Oh, we heard you had a uh, your first baby died, and you know this, and, and there's a percentage, and this might happen again. And so if you you know you, you desire to terminate, terminate, terminate. Like terminate our appointment here. What are we terminating? You know, and and, and you know I, I'm young and dumb. I'm a man. I'm not really wanting to be there anyways. And um, and I remember saying, "What are you talking about?" Because if you're talking about killing our baby, we're done here. And you go, "Well, no. I just want to give you, you know." And we were done. And I want to tell you that. 
you ladies have gone through that already, right? You've heard it already. Oh, it might be this, it might be that, right? I want to tell you that that's deceptive language when you say abortion and you, you don't connect it with killing babies. It's deceptive. It's meant to be, uh, you know, tolerable and sound, you know, smarter. Is it smart? <laughs> I don't think it's smart. If you go to the, um, if you go to the uh, Planned Parenthood website, it'll, everywhere it'll talk about women's health care. How many, how many of you think it's a good thing for women to be healthy and be cared for? I think, I think that's a good idea. How does that fit into killing babies? How, how does that fit in? Why is that women's health care? How, how can you say, my body, my choice? That makes, that makes plenty of sense, you know. You know, some man shouldn't be doing something to some lady's body, right? That makes sense. It's not their body. If they were doing it to their body, they'd be killing themselves, right? They're killing the baby. It's deceptive language. The Bible doesn't say anything about abortion, but it does talk about murder. <laughs> Even the word fetus. Why don't they say baby? Because fetus sounds more like scientific. It sounds like something you don't need, right? It's not a fetus, it's a baby. Deceptive language. Viable. We've decided that it's viable because we've stuck this probe on this and we've done this and we've taken this picture and that test and this test and we've, we're not sure if it's viable. Let's let God decide in the place that only he can see what's viable and what's not viable. Okay. These are deceptive words. Organ harvesting. Forgive me for getting into this, but we have to. Organ harvesting. I don't know what goes on. I don't know what goes on. But it's been reported over and over again. I've seen it in the last years that in the United States, killing babies, harvesting organs, not just Inside the womb, outside the womb. If you, if you want some data on that, I'll show it with you, share it with you after. I don't really care about it. But. This happens in China with adults in captivity. Our government sponsors this. Science, it's science and it's for drug companies and medical community community and makeup food too it happens uh, in our universities organ harvesting and, and you know I came from a farm family harvesting sounds like a good thing doesn't it I want to tell you uh, when it's stuff inside the body it is not We go from deceptive language to deceptive logic. Um, I, I can decide, I can, I can decide, uh, I'm a, 
politician. I'm a smart guy. I'm a scientist. I'm, you know, a CEO. I can decide what would be beneficial. I can decide for another human whether their life is valuable. Think about that. So um, a mother, can she decide for her baby that that baby's life is not valuable? Can one decide for another? I want to tell you that there are billionaires in this world and people who don't have billions, but they can't do anything about it, who think about you and they say, I'm going to decide whether it's good for them to live or not. One man can't decide for another, right? Why? Because we're his special creation, and man didn't make man, nor did man make himself, that we would know that he is made in his image. God decides. Deceptive logic. I can decide for another. I've decided the value of your life, and I've decided that this person is more important than that person. Some people use the logic, well, you know, since the babies are going to be killed anyways, we might as well use their tissue. Just tissue, right? No. It's a baby. You can use their tissue. You know, we might as well use it for something, right? We'll do some experiments on it. We'll use it in products. We'll test with it. Who knows what they do with it? Who knows? And I say that after trying to figure out what they do with it. You know, there's all these things fact-checking going on on the internet. and I'm getting off course, but I just need to tell you this. You, you say, well, you know, do they use, a, you know, these abortions, fetal tissue? Do they use it for this? And they say, oh, fact-check. And you read it, and you know what it says? False. It has not been proven that they do this. It's not false. It just hasn't been proven yet, right? I'm not saying it is or it isn't. I'm just saying that, that there's this, the same godless people, the, the same uh, wicked people, evil people, that are making these things and doing these things and, and participating in these wicked experiments are saying, no, we're, we're really being quite good you know we're not doing anything bad believe me just trust us how are we doing how's everyone doing i get to do this twice um so it's deceptive logic it, it, it doesn't it doesn't work for you to say for i to say or for science to say oh they're going to kill the babies anyway so we might as well use it for something Deceptive logic. Lastly, and then I'll tie this up to deceptive agenda. People talk about overpopulation, depopulation, progressive medicine and science. And I just want to tell you, all those things are man trying to decide what God is in control of. And I'm not worried about God losing his throne. I'm worried about us following ungodly people acting as if they are God. 
deceptive agenda, some of the things that are coming and they're here and they're coming and they're being tried and uh, you know, being rolled out even. The idea of mixing animal flesh with human. The idea of implanting men with technology to control them, to create clones and transhumans that are unredeemable. Progress, we're making progress. I don't think we are. And, and, and the agenda, and I, I want you to get this, because I, I, I think this, this, this will help you. This will help you make decisions. Why? What is the agenda of all this? Well, the agenda is to do away with Almighty God. To do away with Almighty God. Think about this. God has said in his word, I created. And man says, we don't need him to create. We can create our own stuff. God says, I created you know, men and women this way. I, I created them in my image. And they say, no, 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 we're going to fix that. We're going to change your creation into the way we want it. Doing away with Almighty God. And I would say there's a second piece to that. It's to do away with his special creation. Do away with his special creation. Uh, Technology's cool, isn't it? Um, it's amazing what robots and things can do. Maybe you've seen different things, shipping and warehouses where they, they do things and, and they don't need people anymore. You know, they, they, they used to have 500 people working there and now they have five, right? And they're eating donuts, you know, watching computers. Isn't that cool, the progress we're making? It is cool. But, but know this. When your goal is to get rid of people, you're trying to get rid of God's special creation. You're trying to get rid of them. Um, when you think of artificial intelligence, um, that may seem cool to you, but, but, but ask the question, are they trying to get rid of God's special creation? Very important. And I don't have all these things thought out. I'll, I'll admit to you. These things are very complicated to me. But know this, that I need to remember that God is almighty and he is the God of creation, the sustainer, and that he has made his special creation. And these two are very important to him that we remember that he's God and that people are important to him. And I'd say this, make decisions accordingly. Think and resist these wicked words, this thought process, this against God movement of killing babies, not caring about uh, humans. I want to encourage you to, to think about your life and to cherish and be circumspect. The idea of being circumspect is, is to kind of go like this and go, how am I going to do this? This is very important. I got I to gotta make a good decision. And sometimes they're hard. I'll just, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but um, when my dad passed away, um, you know about hospice and medicine, and uh, those are hard decisions, right? 
Um, and uh, what my sister and I were trying to do, and my dad was participating is this, is th- this. Uh, we're not trying to grab hold of the number of our days here or the days of my dad. We're not trying to say, hey, we just need a few more days or we don't want to cut it short. Like we want to, to step back from that. And not that we could control God, but the mere act of our desire to control God. Because that's wicked. Trying to take his place. Cherish, be circumspect. Use this in his life decisions. And, and remember this. And I'm probably one of the worst offenders. I'm, I try to be a p- pretty positive person. I'm used to be happy-go-lucky. No, um, I want to be happy-go-lucky, but, but I need to remember that the world is a more evil, more dark place than I want to think. But gratefully, I would say this, John 8, 12. John 8, 12. Can you get that one up? I didn't give that one to you, Stan. Sorry about that. John 8, verse 12. What do we do in a dark world? And I want to tell you, it is dark. If you start digging into this stuff, if you know what's going on, it'll, it'll seem darker than it is because it is dark. Jesus said, he, said, he again spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The picture there is this. As we walk in this dark world, We'll be in the light. We'll be in the light. Hope that's where you want to be. God, thank you for this morning. Uh, God, I do pray um, for our culture, but I also realize that the culture is not what you are going to redeem. It's your redeeming people, husbands and wives, grandparents. And you're blessing them with children, and those they're making decisions, and they have an impact on their world. And so, God, I just ask that you would give us wisdom and strength that we might think clearly in a dark world. That, that we would not look at life as something that we decide. That we would not try to decide or try to control. That we would uh, not be so numb and dumb that we would say, yeah, murders, you know, in some cases, it seems like a good idea. You know, and babies, you know, what if they, what if the mom didn't want them? What if the mom didn't have money? What if, God, help us to think clearly. And even another step to this, God, that you would give us as your people right here, eyes to see the hurting. Pray for our youth group over there. Pray that you would save them now and and protect them from their own bad ideas and their, their, their peer counseling that they're doing. God, save them from that. Pray for our little ones that they grow up in faith. They would trust you and that you'd preserve them and that you'd honor them as they become a family of their own. God, do your work in our church. Help us to walk with you in this dark world. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.